folks, and welcome welcome back to NTI's Japan Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Zivna Kajimam, again, and this podcast is brought to you, among others, by Native Shark, which is an online platform for learning Japanese. And what Native Shark do is they make learning Japanese really, really simple. You log in, you click a button that says study now, and the platform then shows you exactly what you need to learn next based on your previous progress. Now, again, this is simple, but the way it's designed means that students who use Native Shark once a day for four to five months can complete the equivalent of over two years of university study. And this is not just um, them patting themselves on the back. Now that Native Shark's been in business for over a year, the results are in. So this is exactly what people are saying. Uh, just looking at a couple of posts in their community forums. And the student community, by the way, is one of the best things about the platform. So one person's writing, most productive year I've had learning Japanese. And then another one says, I've started learning over a year ago with all of these other platforms. And what I learned there is only a fraction of what I've learned on Native Shark in just three months. And then yet another one goes, in my mind, my study timeline only started with Native Shark because that's when I really started learning consistently and on and on. So yet the proofs in the pudding, it's definitely the best online course out there. And since you've heard about it here on the podcast, you also get an extra little bonus. If you sign up for their free trial uh, using the URL nativeshark.com forward slash NTI, and we'll link to it in this episode's show notes. So that's native without an E. So N-A-T-I-V shark, all one word, dot com forward slash N-T-I. You use that link to sign up and you'll get a double length free trial. So two weeks free instead of just the one. No need to put in your credit card, anything of that sort. You can just sign up, give it a shot, and chances are at the end of these two weeks, you'll already be far ahead of wherever you are with your Japanese at the moment, whether you're just starting out or you're already in knee deep. Give it a shot. Nativeshark.com forward slash NTI. Okay, so as usual, quick pitch on our December business networking and board games, card games, strategy games event here in Fukuoka at the lovely Montan Hakata Hotel. Registration for the full room and board option. That's if you want to partake in Monica's, who's our amazing Chilean chef's uh, food creations. So registration for those meal-inclusive ticket sales officially closes tomorrow, November 20th. So today and tomorrow are pretty much your last days to sign up or upgrade to those particular tickets. So again, hurry on down to our website or just use this screen if you're watching this on YouTube uh, or via our show notes. If you're tuning in via uh, our podcast on YouTube, you've got this QR code here from our newly uh, printed event flyers. And we uh, can't wait to see you all in three weeks time here in gorgeous Fukuoka. Share business ideas, hear about your experiences, listen to Jason and Mario preach on business relationships and business in Japan generally board game design and marketing, and of course, talk real estate investing, and equally important, play some really, really awesome games, whether entry-level, short little icebreakers, mid-range, puzzly types kind of games, or heavier, chunkier, thematic, or abstract games. We've got them all. Okay, so for today's episode, we've got Ben Sheeran with us again. You may recall he was on the podcast a couple of years ago, um, or you may just know him, especially if you're residing here in Japan. Uh, Ben's coaching sessions and published works and his website, Retired Japan, are the best, not to mention one of the only resources mm -hmm. available in English on personal finances and planning for retirement in Japan. So he told us all about the Retired Japan project when he was first on the show. 
And today he returns to tell us what he's been up to, this time along with Haley Agra, who you've also seen and heard here on the show a few weeks ago. And most importantly, to tell us all about the first Retired Japan online conference, which is kicking off next week, November 23rd. Ben and I will be speaking at the conference, as will a couple of other excellent speakers, which Ben will introduce shortly. And of course, we also talk general personal finance, retirement, savings, investments. So not really directly related to real estate, although we definitely touch on that as well. Really good conversation. Trust you enjoyed as much as we did. And I'll see you again on the other side. Okay, so Ben Sheeran, Retired Japan, back on the show. We haven't had you here for a good few years, man. How have you been doing? Unbelievably. (laughs) (laughs) How's it going, Ziv? Good, good. Well, I mean, well, the only thing that which is not good is that you told me that you're not going to be able to attend our December event, which is um, a huge shame. But we hope to see you in coming years. Yeah, if you do it again. Yeah. Uh, and we're we're kind of in the travel mode again. That that sounds good. Yeah, the plan is definitely uh, to make it an annual event. We'll see how that pans out, but not sure yet. So yeah, man, what what have you been up to? I mean. Um, Quick intro of yourself again to people who maybe um, haven't, haven't, um, are not going to be bothered to check out the first recording, which we highly recommend that they do. We'll link to that in the show notes, but um, maybe quick intro and then just fill us in on what's been happening the last few years. Yeah, basically. So I've been living in Japan for 21 years now. And uh, in 2008, I lost my job, which really made me focus on personal finance a bit more. Um, it's quite traumatic uh, uh, and since then I've been learning and also trying to help people with personal finance through my website Retire Japan uh, and that's been going well so we've got a forum now um, we're holding our first uh, hopefully annual going forward online conference next week uh, with some amazing speakers uh, we've got a great lineup of speakers for that yeah one of them's a bit iffy but the rest are okay yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah that's um that's actually a really good event we've uh we've uh shared it and published it before um i will be speaking there but so are three other phenomenal speakers ben included and we will link to that again in the show notes as well so i mean the fact that your website is doing so well i think is not not really because of the um the fact, well, for one, it's the only one out there that actually has this kind of information in a sort of neutral setting without actually trying to sell anything in particular. Um, but also the depth of knowledge um, by yourself, of course, but also from all the people on the uh, forum who are really generous with their time and advice. Um, it's yeah, been- I think the community is, is definitely the, the best thing about it uh, for me as well. Like, I've learned so much just by running the site. Yeah. Um, so what have you been doing um, that's new? I mean, what, what have you introduced or anything particular that you can recommend to people? So just to make it clear, you're, you're mainly catering to people who are living in Japan and looking to improve their um, financial position, basically in, with the long-term view of, of living comfortably when they retire, whether that's going to be earlier in their life or later, right? Exactly, yeah. So it's basically it's basically helping people, yeah. Whether that's through coaching, or or just from providing information on the blog, or by answering questions in the forum. Yeah, and um, you've mentioned 
the first time that we spoke, you mentioned that you really got into this space because you've noticed that there is no objective advice out there. Has that changed at all in your opinion? Are there more resources? It hasn't. Um, I know of one other person who, who does um, paid financial coaching. Uh, but really, there's nothing out there in terms of English language sources of information for Japan, or, or rather neutral ones. Um, there's a few uh, companies that offer personal financial services in Tokyo, but um, I hesitate to recommend them, mainly based on their compensation model, in that they're commissioned to sell products. And of course, as you know, the 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 products that pay the best commissions tend to have the highest fees as well yeah so it's kind of counterintuitive the best products are actually not the uh, the ones that pay the most commissions right exactly <laughs> yeah. but you, uh, which kind of brings us to to uh, i guess one of today's main points you you have been talking about particular i don't know if products is the right word but particular uh, schemes and strategies and and uh, resources that people can tap that are very specific to Japan, right? So could you fill, out, fill us in a little bit about those? Yeah, mainly I think um, we're talking about tax advantaged accounts. So these are special savings accounts or investment accounts um, created by the Japanese government to encourage investment uh, and to encourage people to save for retirement. And in exchange, then um, you get exempt from paying tax on your investments. Um, there's two main ones in Japan. There's Ideko, which is a kind of pension, uh, personal self-directed pension product where you put money in every month. Um, it's not taxed, um, but you can't access it until you retire. And the other one's Nisa, which is a way of uh, encouraging investment in general. So you can pay in um, up to a certain amount annually. Uh, you can have access to the money whenever you want um, and the contents are tax-free and those are the two main vehicles um, most people want to use so when you refer to them as investments is that in the sense that they i mean aside from the tax savings do they actually generate any kind of yield or return yeah so both of these are just um yeah sorry i no, you're good <laughs> <This is> you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so um basically both of these they're not investments per se they're investment accounts so you can put investments in them um you can buy investments within your ideco account within your nisa account and that's what's going to generate the money um, what the account does is it, it shields you from tax capital gains tax and dividends tax so that is that kind of similar like in australia we call it a um um uh, SMSF, I think, is a self-managed super fund kind of thing. And yeah. that can own properties or equities or any sort of thing that actually generates income and comes with a, a bunch of tax benefits, right? Precisely, yeah. In Japan, most of them um, only have mutual funds available um, because they're low fee uh, and broadly diversified. And the government's basically... They can't own a property, for example. They're not an incorporated entity. Precisely. You can buy REIT funds, um, real estate investment trust funds, um, but not specific buildings and so on. Gotcha. And um, I guess that brings me to my next question. Where does Haley come into this? <laughs> what have you been doing with Ben, Haley? Um, I first contacted him because I realized he was the first or only English source of 
Japanese retirement strategies and information that we could actually read. Uh, my my boyfriend's half Japanese and he works here, so I I'm invested in my retirement accounts back in America, but he's not invested in his. So I wanted to do a little bit of due diligence just to encourage him to invest in his retirement because I know how like important kicking it is. and screaming into saving money, right? Yeah, basically. <laughs> he still hasn't invested yet. He said, this weekend is the weekend. Um, and then I, I contacted Ben and at the moment I was still working at my last full-time job and I did uh, marketing for events and I helped people create slides and presentations. I, I offered Ben to uh, help him create a course that he could sell to his prospective clients. So he doesn't have to do time on time like coaching, but he could sell the course and uh, for more passive ways of and generating income. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that fell out, but he also offered me a, a way to create some funds myself and he gave me some affiliate links towards his products for the accounts that he offers or the the guides that he offers on the accounts in Japan. So with that information that he gave me and also the discount that I got from subscribing to his email newsletter, I uh, took it upon me to <laughs> research the content and post on TikTok. And then it kind of skyrocketed because no one, no one talks about investing in English in Japan. Yep. So I, I found a niche and now I just tunnel yeah. Ben's information into a younger gener younger demographic. And are you finding that they're open to it? Are they actually listening? Yeah, they're yeah. pretty open to it. It's really hard to get keep their attention on the long-term investing part. Right. Most people just want like a quick, like easy, fast get more money kind of scheme oh that doesn't improve with age by the way yeah <laughs> and like i i remember being there but i'm doing everything i can to convince people to like switch their mindset so it's kind of like a coaching thing as well um but i have convinced over 20 people to invest in their nisa for the long term which is really cool I just need that one boyfriend <laughs> to start investing. <laughs> so what? Uh, well, I'm going to ask you about these products in a second, Ben. But maybe I, I want to sort of segue into that for a second. Why do you think it is so difficult for people to actually take that first step and get into the routine of actually not even investing, just saving for retirement? Like because a lot of people are, are like Haley's boyfriend, like yeah but not this month or oh, this year, there's all this happening. So I'll, I'll think about it. But why is it so difficult to take that first step? It's in the future. People yeah. It's like right there. <laughs> it's very complex. I think um, it's, it's your psychology. It's your background. Uh, it's your sense of values. It's your experience all mixed together. So I tend to find that, most people kind of reach a trigger point at some point they kind of wake up and they're like oh it's time that right yeah. you know I, i've had a child you know i'm i'm 40. uh something i lost my job that was my trigger point um i have never i've never been great with money 
But we were talking about at that before, point, uh, it, we were talking about it before you logged in. My trigger point was just suddenly realizing yeah. that I've accumulated fifty thousand bucks in debt, right? Off of credit cards. Yeah. Ah. So it, it's a pain point, right? That that. that yeah, happens. and 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 it's kind of pointless to try and talk to people before they hit the trigger point, right. because they're not ready to listen to you. Uh, it's yeah. it's not real to them yet. Education might have a lot to do with it too, right? Like I know that, for example, and this was something that was never um, never done for me as a child, right? Like I basically asked for money when I needed it and I got it and, you know, I might right. have spent it on stupid things. I might have st- spent it on wiser things, but there was never any budgeting or saving uh, factor involved in my, in my um, rearing. And I see now with my son, like we put him on an allowance, He's now 12. He's been on it for like five or six years already. And obviously at first he spent it on stupid things, right? Like you got money in your pocket and you go and you buy silly things. But as his reserves constantly ran out and he recognized that now he wants to buy this like slightly bigger thing, but there's no money to get it. And we refuse, staunchly refuse to like give him credit, right? Like uh, right. deducted from my next allowance yeah. is not going to happen, right? <laughs> And, and he's learning. He's actually learning. Like he's actually. Awesome. And sometimes it's in a, you know, kind of manipulative way. Like, oh, dad, can you buy that? Because I don't want to use my money for that. But <laughs> there is a lot of learning yeah. involved. I think education is a huge factor, isn't it? The home environment, definitely. Um, also in schools. Um, I've been teaching personal finance to university students for the last four or five years. Um, and they're very receptive to that. And from next year, um, Japanese high school students are going to learn personal finance uh, at school. Wow. Um, pretty exciting. I'm a bit worried about the quality of teachers, yeah. um, but I think it's a great big step towards having a more financially literate population. Definitely better than nothing, right? Even if the teachers are not spec. Absolutely. Um, although, yeah, you've got to be careful. Like a lot of the stuff in the UK, it's stuff like, um, hey, let's pick stocks. And whoever's stock went up the most in the next eight weeks is the winner, which is not <laughs> right approach to learning about investing. Long-term thinking there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay. So, okay. So products, what, what are the products that you, um, so you're obviously not representing, I'm assuming a particular company or organization or at least not a not a commercial organization but what what are yeah. you, you are we we i mean basically retire japan is is very much a a passion project for me uh, it's not very profitable um i actually had a <laughs> i had an interview with goldman sachs they wanted me to do some training for their employees uh, uh, and we found it a bit because they started saying, well, how do you make money with this website? And I was like, I don't want to. And they were like, we don't understand. <laughs> so, um, yeah, we, we have basically two guides, uh, English language, um, PDFs, basically PDF, um, uh, publications, um, one for Ideco and one for Nisa. And the main reason I wrote those is because there is basically no information in English about these things. There's some very good books in Japanese. So if you can read Japanese, um, I would recommend getting those instead. They're, they're probably more in depth. But if you only speak English, these might be a good way to, to get the basic information. So if you're talking about Ideco and Nisa being basically containers for investments, I'm guessing your guidebooks are basically guidebooks about how to invest profitably, right? 
The basic principles, yeah. I mean, the the thing about investing is that it is really easy. Um, you know, people. There's lots of people whose job is to make it seem difficult so that you'll pay them to help you with it. Um, but investing is very, very easy. At the end of the day, um, you just need to buy very cheap um, products and products that are very diversified. So rather than buying one company, which might do well or might do badly, you buy the entire world stock market. And your your investment thesis is over time the world economy will grow because mm. people will you know make new products and solve problems and and I think that's probably quite a reasonable uh, investment assumption going forwards. So and if you, you pay very low fees on that, then over time you're going to do very well. So when you say cheap, that's cheap for the sake of diversity again, so that people can can hedge up with, with different types of investments as opposed to a single expensive um, stock or, or equity? No, cheap as in the fees are cheap. Oh, the fees are so cheap. Yeah. When you buy a, an index fund, which is what these things are, um, there's an annual management fee that's levied on the, the balance. Uh, and the higher that fee is, the less money you get, basically. Right. Uh, and the best ones now in Japan are down to 0.1% a year in fees that's amazing so that's a, that's a very low fee that you're paying to to get access to these great investments and that's on the value of the assets held or on profits or what's the percentage of that's on on the the entire assets held yeah okay so even if you're losing money you still need to pay based on whatever they're worth right yeah got you any um, exciting success stories for people uh, on the forum or people that you've coached personally? Or can we give people a taste of what happens when you do do that? Um, mostly, th I think life just gets a little bit easier. So I always say, you know, if you're good with personal finance, you're just notching down difficulty level on life a little bit. Yeah. You know, if, you, if, if you're good with money, you have far fewer problems and the problems you do have are much more manageable. Mm. Um, so I, th I think a lot of people now are kind of, you know, they don't feel they have control over life. They're doing their, their job and, and they've got these bills and it's all a bit stressful, uh, but it doesn't have to be, you know, just by making some small changes over time, you can get to the point where money isn't stressful. And in fact, to the point where you don't have to think about money. Um, you know, I started 15 years ago, so 2008, 13 years. Um, and now we're very close to not really needing to work for money anymore, my, my wife and I. Uh, and before that, we were terrible with money. So it, it can happen very quickly um, if, you, if you make some basic changes to how you, how, how you relate to money. Um, and that's something that we talk about a lot on the forum. So if you, if you want to learn about personal finance about investing and investing is not the biggest part actually it's more about how you spend money uh, uh and how you think about money uh, that's the real that's what makes the real difference so Haley, as a member of the uh, younger generation um tell us about your experience like you're obviously invested for your retirement in the states you've mentioned but how did you because you obviously got to that before you met ben we can't credit him with all of that so how, how did you get started? Like what, what was, was there like Ben was saying, like a, a pain point or a trigger point for you or how did it all happen? Oh yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. There was a pain point. So I wasn't in $50,000 of credit card debt, but I was in about maybe $2,000 in credit card consumer debt. And um, my parents paid for my rent in college. I also withdrew from college, I think my second year, and I acquired debt because I used to get scholarships and I had to pay back my scholarships because I left. So at that point, I was like, okay, I'm moving back in with my parents and I'm in debt, but we're going to Japan. So that's cool. And um, so I moved away from all my friends and I kind of excluded myself from any outside anything. And I was like, I'm going to get good with money because I have all this time. I'm taking a break from college. So I started diving into podcasts, books, YouTube videos of how to get get better at money management. And then um, after I got the basics down of how to budget and what to invest in, how to invest for your retirement, I started researching how to make it faster. And that brought me to real estate and eventually you and Ben after I talked about or got a Japanese boyfriend (laughs) yeah so when you say make it faster so what what real estate specifically is conceived I'm not really that cluey on um on personal finance um right terms or approaches so is real estate considered something that makes you grow your uh, your value faster or how does that work yes so Retirement accounts, they're not supposed to be super risky. I've, I've seen some strategies based on how old you are of how risky you can be. And Ben was talking a little bit about index funds. That's when you buy the average of the stock market. So it's easily diversified. You have different eggs in different baskets. And honestly, that's the best type of investment because people who day trade, 95% of the time, us people that invest in just the average of the stock market beat them. So I don't, I don't see the point of like watching screens and watching stock ticks and trying to time the market when you could just buy the average. Some people. Yeah. And just, just ride the wave of the average and then you'll be better than 95% of everyone. Um, But I think on average, we like to in the financial independence community we like to have an average we like to say it's like seven six six to ten percent returns when you invest in the average of the stock market even though it can be a lot higher it can be a lot lower than that but that's conservatively the average of um what you'll get in return for however many years you invest usually over like 20 35 from age 20 to 65 yep and whereas real estate, you know that your returns can be a lot higher than 10%. And you have full control over that because it's your money and you evaluate properties based on um, how, how many people you can get rented or will you do property manager, management? Well, to to but, a point, I mean, you can yeah. get higher. I mean, I would say the average for your typical long-term passive investor, which yeah. is my clients is actually um, quite similar, maybe even a little bit lower to what you're describing. So I would right. say six to maybe seven and seven and a half percent at best, but you, yeah. can get, you can get a lot more creative with real estate as long as you have the time and the bandwidth and the resources to make it happen. So 
there yeah. are hacks, I guess, but that's probably kind of similar to a very good day trader, right? Somebody who really knows what they're doing can actually. Yeah. yeah. And the thing with real estate is though, but you have ownership of a property and, and um, also if you buy a house and you rent out a few rooms and you're basically living mortgage-free, you're knocking out one of your most expensive expenses you ever have to pay, which brings you a lot more revenue or a lot more profit from any other source of income that you create. Whereas stocks, it takes a lot to build up and compound an interest over time. Um, yeah, that's, that's, that's the activity. Ben, yeah. does real estate, I mean, obviously REITs you've mentioned, but does real estate, actual real estate holdings play a part in any of the uh, portfolios of the people that you coach or that you're in contact with on, through the forum? Yeah, of course. Um, some, some of our members uh, are into real estate. I think that's also a personality thing. Um, you know, like my godfather uh, lives in Germany and he, he has a, an immense real estate portfolio and he gave up on the stock market. So he, he couldn't handle the stock market emotionally, um, but he loves, you know, managing his properties and decorate, redecorating his properties and, and doing all that. Whereas for me, I'm extremely lazy, so I want nothing to do <laughs> with, with property management. Instead, I'm happy to buy stocks because it's completely passive. Once you've made the decision to purchase, there's nothing else you need to do. Um, the and, downside there is that um, real estate is not as liquid as stock, so it's not as easy to panic sell. Ah, that's very true. Yeah. You have time yeah. to think your decision two, three, four, five times before you can actually go ahead with it. Exactly. I think also, depending on the market, obviously leverage is huge because you, know, you can use leverage to boost your returns with with real estate. You know, by borrowing money from the bank, that that can multiply your, your gains, but also your losses if you're unlucky with the timing. Yeah, it definitely brings up the risk factor there. We are, Chicago and I are extremely debt um, averse. Like we hate the idea of anybody else having any say uh, on the assets that we hold. But I know that, yes, that we are definitely a minority. Um, leverage is a huge part of real estate investments for most people. So there's definitely that. Okay, well, what, what are we going to, just before we wrap up, what are we going to, going to be hearing on uh, next week's webinar i know what i'm talking about but give me uh, give me some time well actually there's a lot of real estate um mainly because um we don't feature it that much on the site um you know i'm i'm not personally involved in real estate so there's perhaps less real estate and that's why i wanted to have you talk um uh, and also daniel who is a u.s based um, he lives in Japan, but he invests in the U.S. Um, real estate market, which is different enough that I thought it'd be really interesting to have both of you talk uh, and, and give the contrasts. We've got Adam, who's going to be talking about RetireWikiJP, um, which is a site that he started that kind of grew out of the Retire Japan Forum. Uh, and it's a wiki, so it's a bit like Wikipedia, um, but for financial topics in Japan. So it's a good place to find specific kind of step-by-step instructions for things and specific information. It's a great site. Um, he's going to be talking about what it is, what's on it, and um, how people can actually contribute and, and, you know, add their own information to the site and so on. And then finally, I'll be talking about the basics of uh, personal finance in Japan, and then we'll have a big Q&A session at the end. Um, and for me, that's always the most interesting part of these conferences, 
uh, giving people the chance to ask questions and and really deal with their specific issues. Um, so I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, Q&A is, is always the best. And I find that it's always better to um, allocate more time to Q&A than you ever would have thought when you start. <laughs> yeah, we've got an hour, but it might go longer and I'm probably okay with that. So yeah. <laughs> we'll see how it goes. That's awesome. So just to remind everyone, um, we've it's free to attend, but registration is mandatory. So you do have to register in advance to get the link. And registration closes, I think, this um, coming Monday, which is the 20th. Yeah, Monday afternoon is going to be the last chance to sign up. We're going to be sending out the link on Monday evening, and that's it. Okay, so Monday 22nd uh, November is your last day to register for the 23rd. Uh, Retire Japan online conference, is it? The inaugural Retire Japan. I'm I'm so sorry. Inaugural Retire Japan. Pretty cool. Yes. Awesome. So, yeah, I'll be there. Um, Haley will definitely be there too, right? In the audience, at least. I will. I I need to register, so I need that link. Oh, yeah. (laughs) You better hurry up. (laughs) Excellent. Great stuff. All right. Any, uh, Any parting words? Any parting questions? Haley, anything? Yes. One last question to wrap it up what money related what has been been your biggest regret on purchasing anything Mm, that's an interesting question (laughs) (laughs) i i tend not to regret things um yeah generally you know if something happens and i wasn't happy with how it turned out i kind of try and figure out what the lesson was, what not to do yeah. next time. And, and I just move on. So I don't really dwell on things. Uh, that's, that's, that's a good way uh, to live life, I think. But um, to answer the question, um, maybe buying a hedge fund. <laughs> so I bought into a hedge fund uh, in like 2009 or so, just after the financial crisis. Um, one of these trend following things with high fees and, you know, excellent reported results and it really didn't do much um for me it was the wrong thing to buy i thought i was being clever uh and that's when you lose money right when you think you're being clever so <laughs> stick to the basics i think uh, and that's how to of course it didn't matter um you know i could have made more money doing something more sensible but it's fine so we got to move you couldn't deploy your capital elsewhere while it was in there but you haven't actually lost on it right yeah, I mean, basically, no, it would have been much better just having it in the stock market. <laughs> We'd have made, I'd have made like three times as much. But, <laughs> but you know, we learn these lessons and move on and, and uh, it didn't hurt us particularly. So it's fine. I think in my case, use it? Um, yeah, it was um, not really investment related, but um, I had a, a family relative, a grand uncle who passed away uh, in Australia while I was in Japan and he left us... Um, a bit of an inheritance and I was in Japan at the time couldn't work because I was on a tourist visa short on cash my son was just born and um, I got into my head for various reasons that the lawyer handling uh, his estate was um, either just not caring or was trying to dip into the funds under her management and so forth so I ended up hiring another lawyer to wrestle the estate out of her hands and we ended up succeeding in doing that, but at the cost of about the uh, uh, third of the inheritance that just went 
to the second lawyer. So, um, yeah. by the way, karma-wise, um, it never pays to do these kinds of things. I found out later that he uh, must have done that to somebody else who was um, a bit more violent than me because somebody broke into his office and beat the living daylights out of him. Um, but fortunately, he's still alive. I don't wish that on anyone. But yeah, karma, karma will come back to bite you on the bum. But I guess... I guess my takeaway from that, like Ben was saying, best not to have regrets. And even if you did something silly, it's if as long as you learn from it and you don't repeat the same mistake again. And I guess for me, it was like a really good lesson in um, if you do anything financial or otherwise, but especially financial, if you do anything related to your finances um, from a from a place of panic or from a place of need, like we always tell our customers, for example, whatever you end up investing here in Japan, don't invest with funds that you're going to be needing back home in a hurry to pay your bills That's or so pay a mortgage on your existing home loan or to do the shopping. Like only invest with money that you know you can park somewhere and you've got other sources of income. Because once once you start thinking about it from a place of, oh, but but I need that money and I need it now, that that's when you make these costly mistakes, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And and that's something to watch out for as well. If someone's trying to make you hurry up and, and instill a sense of urgency in you, that's a red flag. Yeah. Right. You know, if someone's going to sell you something and they're like, yeah, you've got to commit to this today to get the right, you know, that's, that's, that's rarely in your best interest, I think. Yeah. But, but having said that, there are, you know, more opportune times to hit a particular market or a particular investment than others, right? Like some people contacted us during COVID and we did tell them, well, yeah, at the moment, Tokyo, Nagoya, Osaka prices are software because of COVID. That's not to say that we want your money and we want it now, but yes, now is a good time to invest in that particular asset, right? I think that's different than, than setting kind of arbitrary deadlines and, and pushing yeah, people absolutely. to make a decision on the call, right? You've got to give me yes or no, Ziv, right now. <laughs> 24 hours and the offer goes away. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that kind of thing. Yeah. Very, yeah. very common. It is really common in scams to have a sense of urgency. I know... A, a few people who reached out to me in trying to invest in their retirement accounts, they they willingly, well, not, they kind of willingly put their money into the hands of someone else because they had urgency and because they mentioned everything that they wanted to hear, but it wasn't backed up with any actual sound investments. It was like, it was like a hedge fund, but from an individual on Instagram or something. Oh. So you got to be really careful. <laughs> really careful with where you put your money. And, How about you? What uh, are you have, you? have you had any financial regrets? Yes, tons. In, uh, for this example, I'm going to talk about college. I was at Colorado State University maybe three years ago. And um, I didn't have a lot of money management skills. All I knew was spend below your means, but I was still living as if I was with my parents. I was going out to eat and my parents were paying my rent and I still wanted to have fun and go to concerts. So my money management was everywhere. I spent more than I made, even though I was working and I spent more than I made for my job and my scholarships on consumer things instead of things that that could better my financial state and better my education just in college in general. So my regret was not investing my, my time, my early time into understanding the proper way to use money as a tool to increase your health, 
future wealth and um, health wealth and relationships. So in your case, you're regretting uh, a period, a period of your life kind of thing. Well, yeah. not the entire period, period but your financial attitude. It. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. My financial mindset. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, that, that's good takeaways. Well, thank, thanks again for everyone. And um, we will see you on Tuesday. Yeah. All Have right. Thanks a lot, Dave. Good thank talking to you. Yep, so the first inaugural Retired Japan online conference this coming Tuesday, 10 a.m. Japan time. Uh, registration, which is free, closes on Monday. So make sure you register by then to get your link to join the event. Hope to see you all there. And also, again, hope to see as many of you as possible with us in a few weeks' time here in Fukuoka at the Montan Hakata Hotel for our first business networking, board games, card games, and strategy games event. If you want to be pampered with some seriously awesome food, again, make sure to register for your full room and board tickets today or tomorrow, November 20th. Following this date, we're probably only going to have room-only or daily attendance-only tickets available. Now, before we go, we're also, as always, going to tell you and also link to our other sponsor's website. That's Hiroshi Shimizu, immigration lawyer and administrative scrivener. If you're thinking about moving here on a more permanent basis or you're already in Japan on some sort of a temporary visa and you want to switch to a longer term or permanent one, or if you're considering setting up a local company or a branch office of a foreign company and you've got any sort of business or visa related inquiries, or even if you just want to find out what your options are on any of these topics, feel free to contact Hiroshi Shimizu. You can find him at japanimmigrationexperts.com and he can help you set up a company, apply for any kind of visa, or just provide you with the best advice and extremely affordable consultation related to these topics. And he's already done that for many of our listeners. So feel free to reach out to him. Again, that's japanimmigrationexperts.com and you'll be well on your way. And that's it from us for today, folks. Hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Japan Real Estate Podcast. Do share it with your networks and please let us know what you think. So leave us a short rating or review on the iTunes store, on Spotify, or just drop us a line in the comment section of wherever you might have found this episode. We love hearing from you. Hope to have you with us again next time. And until then, have a great day or night ahead. Yoroshiku. Yoroshiku.